What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter's at Sports. Instagram is also at Sports. TikTok, YouTube, at Sports. Or Immaculate, immaculate Sports. Immaculate It's one of those days. I'm uh, My whole mouth is numb right now from the dentist, so if I sound a little weird today, that's what's going on. My tongue's out of control, but that's not going to stop yeah, us. Yeah, Skyler's playing through pain. So Episode going. 103, no days off. Exactly. One week until the NFL season. Little bit of college football preview, which is hype. Yeah, we're going to talk baseball as usual, uh, some QB controversy. That's mainly what we're going to be talking about as far as football goes, because it's kind of that weird week where we did a lot of fantasy football stuff the past two weeks. We're going to do our full preview next week, and this week's kind of like a weird middle ground, so we don't have too much to talk about, but we still have some interesting things to say. Let's just go ahead and get into our opener for episode 103. What is the best thing that you saw this past week, Skylar? I'm going to go with Sunday Night Baseball, Cardinals and Braves. Uh, started off great with uh, Wayno mic'd up. It was cool. We got to hear some of uh, Adam Wainwright's music, too, on the broadcast. Uh, also, great game on its own, too. Uh, Cardinals up early. Uh, Dansby Swanson threw a run homer to take the lead. Tyler O'Neill threw a run homer to regain the lead again and blow it open. And uh, Cardinals win. Very exciting team. Very good broadcast. Yeah, that was a a great game to watch. I watched a bit of that on Sunday Night Baseball as well. I want to talk about Corbin Carroll's debut, though. He didn't do anything crazy. He was one for five with two runs and two RBIs uh, and a double for that one hit. But seeing the number three prospect be called up for a team that is starting to play better is pretty cool uh, for the Diamondbacks. And they're obviously not in a playoff contention spot but they're not the worst team in the nl this year and i think that's something that a lot of diamondbacks fans are happy about and corbin carroll alec thomas are both now up at this point yeah things are starting to turn for them which is cool to see and corbin carroll is going to be one of the best in the game eventually let's go ahead and get to the immaculate sports player of the week where we have to go with aaron judge for hitting his 50th homer on the season last night he became the 10th player in mlb history to have two or more seasons with 50 home runs. Aaron Judge is, is crazy. Skyler, is he your MVP right now, or is it Shohei? Oh, that's close. That's really close, but probably my MVP right now. I mean, Shohei just had an awesome week, and we'll get into that week, but uh, definitely close right now, maybe even tied. I think I, I got to go Shohei. As good as Aaron Judge has been, Shohei's doing something that we just haven't seen except for him doing it last year. So I got to go Shohei. That's true. But Aaron Judge, if he had 65 homers or just even breaks Roger Maris's home run record uh, as far as the AL goes, that's going to be pretty crazy to see. Let's go ahead and get to the team reports now. It was D-Day in the NFL. A lot of cuts happening yes. all around the league. All the rosters went down to 53 from, I think, just about every team was about around 80 coming into today. I remember waking up and seeing that I had 100 Twitter notifications, and I like was, it was freaking Christmas out. morning. I, I completely forgot today was that day, and I thought something crazy had happened or whatever, but just a lot of people getting cut. 
but what about the Jets? Anything to talk about with them? Uh, I'm going to keep it short and sweet, or at least try to, because we have a much better roster this year than past years, but still very thin at some areas. So uh, three of the stars of preseason that were cut, Chris Traveler, the quarterback, Bradley Anaye, edge rusher, Calvin Jackson, receiver, let go, which is sad, but those seem like three guys we're going to try to keep on the practice squad, so maybe we'll see him again this year. And pretty much every free safety except for Ashton Davis and LaMarcus Joyner were cut, so look for uh, another signing there. And that's about it. We cut everybody else that was uh, thought to be in a trade talk, except for Denzel Mims. He's still on the roster. So we're going to try to stay healthy this next week and not embarrass ourselves against Baltimore. Yeah. A lot of cuts for the Raiders, of course. Kenyon Drake was one from last week that I'd want to talk about, and I think he just signed with the Ravens, uh, as well as Demarcus Robinson, wide receiver of the Raiders cut, and he's also now at the Ravens too. Uh, But the players that got cut today, I'm not going to go over all of them, just some of the notables. Chase Garbers, rookie quarterback from Cal, got waived. I assume that he probably ends up on the practice squad. I think that's the ideal thing for them. I thought maybe he was going to make the 53 and – just not be one of the 46 that suits up for game days. But I guess they're going a little bit of a different route there. And that makes the only two quarterbacks on the roster, Stidham and Carr. Leatherwood got cut. We pretty much all know about that. That's been pretty mm-hmm. national news over the day. Uh, first round pick last year. Hasn't worked out at all. Not a good at guard. Not good at tackle. And uh, ready to just move on from him right now. Uh, former Jets running back Austin Walter got cut. Uh, wide receiver slash cornerback Isaiah Zuber got cut. Hmm. He had a pick and a reception last game against the Patriots. Uh, but Charles Woodson activity. Yeah, he got cut there. Former Jets receiver Keelan Cole got cut. Uh, so unfortunately, he won't be making the roster. He'll get picked up by somebody. Yeah, he makes uh, crazy. Even say what you want about him, uh, but he makes ridiculous catches. You know. Yeah. I like Keelan Cole. Yeah. Uh, Darius Phillips, corner, who was one of the Raiders' first signings out of the beginning of free agency. He got cut. And then Jacob Hollister went to the injured reserve, so I think he might be out for the year. I don't know if that's short-term IR or long-term IR, uh, but he was going to be like the third or fourth tight end anyway, so I don't think that's going to be too big of a deal. And then additionally, the Raiders traded away Trayvon Mullen to the Arizona Cardinals for a conditional 2023 draft pick. I guess the Raiders were going to cut Mullen, which would have surprised me. And just the transaction to get rid of him kind of surprised me because Mullen has been pretty solid for us. But injuries have plagued him over the past two years. And I think I don't think he's played more than like eight games total over the past two years or so. So and he's a Mayock pick. Yes. Sucks for Mullen. Uh, I liked him, and I know a lot of the fan base did, but just because you were a high draft pick before with the Gruden-Mayock era does not mean anything in the McDaniel-Ziegler era, and I'm completely okay with that because as long as you have the best possible 53-man that you can put on the on the field, well, I guess 46-man technically, but as long as you have the best roster that you can, I'm okay with that. Just go all in and winning. Let's go ahead and get to the spotlight now, Skyler. Tell me about Hard Knocks. I haven't seen any of this, so you're going to have to fill me in. Yeah, uh, Hard Knocks this year is the Lions, and I forgot about it until 
a couple of days ago. And that's why it's on my spotlight because I feel like a lot of people have forgotten about it too. Maybe it's because it's baseball season. So unordinary, we've been more locked in there than about uh, like training camp stuff. Uh, but the Lions are very entertaining. Of course, Dan Campbell's uh, got interesting stories for every episode. Uh, there's so many former players on that coaching staff. I think they said it's 60 combined years. Aaron Glenn's the DC. He was great corner for the Jets. Um, and just just to see guys like Amon Ross St. Brown and Jamal Williams, these are their fan favorites. Aiden Hutchinson, they're just they're great guys. And to see them in the spotlight uh, is cool because those guys usually aren't in the spotlight, other than you know Hutchinson on ESPN last year. But it's college; it's a little different. Uh, so check it out. Very funny episodes very intense episodes go ahead yeah hard knocks is always fun i remember when yeah. the raiders were on it that's pretty much the only season i've seen i don't know why i haven't watched the other seasons i just haven't really got into those but rex ryan and mark sanchez yeah i've seen to of that. <laughs> uh, as far as my spotlight goes i want to talk about an a's prospect mason miller he's currently ranked as a 22 or 22nd prospect in the A's system he was a third-round pick of the A's last year out of Gardner-Webb University, and he pitched a little bit in the fall and in the complex complex league last year, uh, but only six innings there, and then I think we held him out after that because he pitched a lot of innings in the college season. Uh, and then this year, he got a scapula strain in spring training, and he just came back last week. Uh, and in those two games, one of them being in the Arizona Complex League and one of them being at high A for the Lansing Lugnuts, he's gone four innings, give, only given up one hit combined in those two starts. Uh, that one hit was a home run, zero walks, and nine strikeouts. Uh, and Mason Miller, I, this guy's stuff is crazy, man. He throws 103. He's got a wipeout slider. And just those two pitches together, he also has a changeup, but those two pitches together are going to be what makes him money and makes him get into the major leagues, hopefully. Uh, he is on the older side of things, though. He just turned 24 last week, so maybe the A's will try to push him along a little bit quicker than the other prospects do because he's not a 21, 22-year-old at this point. But if everything goes right and he stays healthy, this is a guy that could appear in the bullpen next year, or if the A's want to go a long route with him, they could probably go full-time starter in 2024 or maybe even late 2023, depending on how good he ends up being. Uh, but whenever there's a guy who's throwing 102, 103 in your system, that's somebody you have, you have to have eyes on. And the A's have gone in that direction for a lot of guys actually recently. Uh, and it kind of strays away from their past and previous history where they had guys that were just throwing 94 mile an hour sinker balls over and over again. But the Medina, Cusick, and now Miller as well, all guys that are throwing 100 plus uh, from the starter side of things. So that's interesting to see. Happy the A's are going on to that because it's more fun to watch as a fan than a guy who's just getting ground ball outs over and over again. But uh, yeah, watch out for Mason Miller. He might be a guy that we're talking about here in a little bit. I hope so. Uh, yeah. And now let's go ahead and get to A's talk. The second week that we've done this, uh, we're just, we don't talk about the A's enough pretty much. And so we want to talk about them more. And we have to talk about Ken Waldachuk, who is going to be coming up on Thursday, part of the September call-ups. 
to make his first big league start with the team, he was the main attraction in that Frankie Montas trade for the A's. Uh, as far as the stats go this year, he pitched across three different teams, double A AA and triple A in the Yankee system. And then once he got traded to the A's, he played triple A uh, for us with the Las Vegas Aviators. And just his numbers with the Aviators, four starts, 18 and two thirds innings, 21 strikeouts, uh, 3.38 year ray. And he's got some exciting stuff to him. He's got a 65-grade fastball, 50-grade curveball, and a 55-grade slider, as well as a changeup. Our original thing, or question, I guess, when we were coming up with our ideas for this show last night, was should the A's bring up Waldachuk in September? And then he got called up, not today, but they announced that they would be calling him up today. So now let's change that, too. Is this a good idea? Is this a bad idea? Is this a little bit too early? Is this the perfect time? What do you think of this move? I think it's the right move. Uh, you know, we're facing Washington, so let's try to make a comparison. This is the Josiah Gray of a rebuild. Maybe a little bit older, but he's got the the stuff, the command, the presence to be our frontline starter. So why not try to figure out if he is or not? He's 24. Exactly. Yeah, I think Skyler's main point there at the end, or one of his points at the end there was, he is 24. Like, if you wait another year and he ends up being 25, then he's a real late bloomer at that point. And that's really he's Cole not Irvin, where you want to get. He's not your ace. Yeah. You know, nothing wrong with Cole Irvin, but that's the truth. Yeah, and I I like Walter Chuck a ton. I think he's got some good stuff. He reminds me a lot of uh, Robbie Ray. I think that's a decent comparison for him. He's going to be a guy that eats a lot of innings. He's got a pretty similar motion to him, and he's going to get strikeouts from the left side as well, uh, which is going to add that upper rotation ceiling uh, or even that ace spot if everything goes right, of course. But I'm happy to see this. It's, it's good for the A's. Finally get their young guys up and then start them playing together now in the big leagues rather than next year. Because right now, well, it can't hurt. That's all I'm going to say. It can't hurt. Even if he does bad, so what? Well, we got to pay him at 30 instead of 31. (laughs) We're not paying him anyways. So, yeah, we better be good then. But uh, let's move on to another one of our big-time lefties that has been in our system for a few years now, and that's A.J. Puck. Since Danny Jimenez's injury, who just got placed on the 60-day IL about a week ago, and then Zach Jackson got placed on the 15-day IL earlier today, uh, really leaves that closer role open for A.J. Puck. Uh, And this year, as a 27-year-old, he has a 2.53 ERA in 53 and a third innings pitched with 60 strikeouts, and that's over 50 games. So he's coming in and getting his inning and getting on out of there. Uh, as far as the ninth inning goes specifically, he or ninth inning and extras, he has six and two thirds innings pitch in that spot and has only given up one earned run. Do you think AJ Puck is the closer of the future? Yeah, I think he at least deserves the shot. You know, he's been great this year. And I knew when we drafted him, he had the Andrew Miller potential out of the pen uh, just because. Guys that size usually don't last in the rotation unless you're Randy Johnson, uh, especially a lefty. Uh, so I'm down for it. Yeah. The A's, A's comps form, like the fans are always saying when we draft this guy, top of the line, he's going to be Randy Johnson. Or the bottom of the line, he's going to be Andrew Miller. And I think we're getting that Andrew Miller and that floor of 
being a guy like Andrew Miller is not a bad thing at all. Andrew yeah. Miller is one of the best relievers of the past 10 years. And he just stuck around in teams and was super good for a lot of teams over the past 10 years or so. And if AJ Puck does that and he becomes our closer for the next two, three years, I'm 100% okay with that. And I think that's the way that the age should approach it because he's going to be the one that has the highest chance to retain in that spot rather than a Danny Jimenez or even Zach Jackson. Mm. To get to where your head, where's your head at? Where now, is your head starting, at? Uh, it's right here, right here, right in the center, right in the center of the screen. But let's start it off with the player, pitcher, and rookie of the week. Let's go with the rookie of the week first, Skyler. Who do you got? Yeah, I got co-winners. Baltimore pitchers, Kyle Bradish, Felix Bautista, shutting down Houston. Bradish had eight shutout innings. Bautista, three and a third, perfect out of the pen with five Ks. Just uh awesome performance from Baltimore, man. I got my bet to hit here with Baltimore beating Houston. And uh thanks to these guys, you know. Yeah. I'm going to be a little home bias here, but I'm going with Adam Moeller as my rookie of the week. Eight innings pitched, one hit, zero runs, three strikeouts versus the Yankees on Saturday night in one of the most shocking performances for the A's this entire year. Did not expect that to happen at all. Uh, and he's taken my rookie of the week, which I did not think I'd say at all this entire year. Pretty good choice. Pitcher of the week, Skeller, who do you got? Going to go with Aaron Nola with the complete game shutout, 11 strikeouts against Pittsburgh. This is a crucial month, and month and a day for <laughs> for Philly here. And uh, if the pitching's rolling, then that makes things a lot easier for him. My pitcher of the week, it's got to be Sandy. Complete game versus the Dodgers, only one run allowed, 10 strikeouts and it kind of puts the nail in the coffin of him being the Cy Young in the NL unless he has some terrible month of September, but we all kind of doubt that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And this was a big game, man. I mean, even though the Marlins aren't a good team, pitching against the Dodgers, a team that has historically raked Sandy Alcantara, was huge, and he dominated them. And he he's usually not a guy that has double-digit strikeouts, and he got to that part, and he got through the game, in a close game, it wasn't like it's seven to one. It was two to one. So there was there was no leeway here. Oh, you give up a double or two, yeah, you're still staying in the game. If you give up a double or two, the game's over. So But was it a Maddox? It was not a Maddox. He threw like 115 <laughs> pitches. So not my winner. He's still getting the pitcher of the week for me. How about <laughs> player of the week for you, Skyler? It's gotta be Shohei Otani. Hit three hundred, two homers, seven ribbies. Oh, and and <laughs> seven shutout innings. Nine strikeouts. Ridiculous week. Yeah, it's Shohei. Shohei is my player of the week as well. Uh, I'm just following Skyler here. He got the stats. I ain't got to tell him to you. He's my MVP. Let's talk about some other baseball things. Uh, Julio Rodriguez signed an absolutely massive extension over this past week. I think it can be up to 14 years, 40 470 million or something like that. It was ridiculous numbers. I don't really know the full uh, extent of the contract itself, but I know there's a scenario where he can end up being on the team through 2039. So could end up being like a 17 year deal. Uh, If you want to know the exact details of the contract, just go look them up. I mean, it's, it's really tough for me to explain a lot of stuff because I don't even fully understand it. 
Uh, but it begs the question. Seattle hasn't been in the playoffs in my whole lifetime, and I think not all of Skyler's lifetime, but just about all of it. Uh, just about. But we're going one step higher. How many rings were Seattle? will Seattle win during J-Rod's tenure? Zero. I didn't have to think too hard about this one. Seattle usually screws it up about every other year and has to restart the rebuild. Uh, I will say that facing this dude for the next pretty much, I don't know, 15, 20 years, however many years he's going to play, it will suck. Uh, they'll probably take over the Houston role for at least a little bit here in the future, but I don't think it's going to last very long. I, I think it's the safe bet. Yeah, it's almost still going with a zero here as well. I just don't think Seattle projects as well long term as what some people think they do. I think trading for Luis Castillo, while it looks good right now and it might look good for the next couple of years, if he doesn't end up signing there long term and being good for a long time, even though he's already 30 years old, you gave up Noel V. Marte. You gave up Edwin Arroyo, two of exactly. your top prospects that would have formed into one of the weaker parts of your uh, organization, which is the infield depth. Uh, they have Ty France. They have JP Crawford, who's so-so now at this point. He's not even that good. They have J-Rod. They have Mitch Hanniger, who we don't even know what the long-term deal is with him. And that's it. I mean, Winker's all right. Suarez is all right. Adam Frazier's terrible. <laughs> so that, uh, but there's nothing that like really, really sticks out. Cal Raleigh, I won't forget about him. He's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but the pitching part was the part that you already had. You already had pitching. You had Robbie Ray. You had a Logan Gilbert. You had a George Kirby. You have this great bullpen. You have Matt Brash who might come along eventually. And you just went ahead and gave up the most valuable part of your organization for a guy who might be with you for two years. Yeah, and so and I don't think they're going to win these. Sorry. I don't no, think they're going to win these next two years. And at that point, I think it's going to end up going downhill. Sure, things can turn around in 2035 because, hell, are, those dudes are like eight years old right now. They'll be playing in the big leagues. But from right now, I got to say zero. I have to. Yeah. I was just going to say, uh, adding on to your point here, just to beat Houston a couple extra times for the next two years, uh, I understand from a short-term perspective, but we don't look short-term here at Immaculate Sports. We're, we're trying to build dynasties, you know, and this is uh, going to hurt them so badly in the future. Uh, I'm not going to say anything yet because Castillo is good, but we'll be back in a couple years to talk about yeah. this. It's weird how a J-Rod question kind of turned into a Luis Castillo yeah. answer, but uh, it's hard to ignore that. You know, it's kind of weird. Let's talk about the Yankees now. They're struggling. They're really struggling. They had that great start in the first half, and since then they have been dog shit, and they have not been good at all. They still have a great record sitting at 78-51. and 51. They stole seven games up in the division, but it's not the same Yankees team that we saw in April, not the same Yankees team that we saw in May, not the same Yankees team that we saw in June. But this July slump has grown into an August slump, and it might grow into, into a September slump, too. And that begs the question, are the Yankees even still true title contenders? May not be smart, but I'm still going to say yes. 
the pitching's taken a beating. That's clearly the worst part of their team right now, uh, specifically the bullpen. But anyone can get hot before the playoffs. We've seen it before. This is a very streaky team, and if they streak in the right direction at the right time, they'll be fine. I'm still not going to pick them to win it all, but I'm not going to count them out yet either, I guess. <laughs> I'm going to say it. This Yankees team is not one in the World Series. They're not good enough. They're too streaky. And that might sound a little contradicting because in order to win the World Series, you got to be streaky. But that juice that that Yankees team had early in the season is not there. And the juice has gone to other franchises now at this point. The Astros have it. The Dodgers have it. The Baltimore's Mets have got it. it. Baltimore's <laughs> got it. Atlanta's got it. St. Louis got it. But the Yankees, they don't have it no more. Matt Carpenter, is he's probably out for the season now at this point. Stanton, mm-hmm. he's not doing good anymore. Rizzo, he's cooled down since April. Everybody else except for Judge, they've nearly cooled down since April. I know their starting rotation has still been good. But you're going to be facing some great lineups when you get to the playoffs, and I don't think they're going to be able to hold up against them. So I'm saying it right now. The Yankees are not a true contender anymore, and they are not winning the World Series. You know somebody that's been worse than the Yankees, Skyler? I do. Josh Hader. He has been absolutely terrible since he joined the Padres. And he's to the point now where he can't even get through an inning. Uh, in seven appearances with the Padres since coming over, he has a 23.14 ERA giving up 12 earned runs in four and two thirds innings. And it's, it's just like, I don't know what happened. I know he was bad for the couple weeks before he went to Milwaukee or to San Diego, but it's like otherworldly bad now. So it proposes the question, what, what's the role for hater? If you're the Padres, do you put him in late game? Is he a mop up guy at this point? What do you do? You can't even think about bringing him in in the ninth inning right now. Nick Martinez is is fine enough there. You got to completely start over, low leverage, because right now he's unusable. You can't pitch him in a meaningful game right now. You're just going to waste away your season. So you got to find the right low leverage situation maybe again. I mean, even Arizona's hot right now, right? I mean, <laughs> who can you pitch him against? At home against Colorado? Up by seven? Know. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It it is really really weird. But I think in order for him to break out of it, you have to just keep putting on putting him out there. Not in the ninth inning, not in the eighth inning, but if you're up by five in the seventh or down by three in the eighth or something like that. Maybe not a one, two, or three run ball game, but anything outside of that, put him in, put him in. And if it goes bad, take him out. Have a super short leash. But you have to give him a chance because if he returns to form, he is one of, if not the best closers in the league. So you got to give him that chance. I know they've already given him a chance, but you got to keep on doing it. And eventually things will hopefully all work out. But once it gets to October and he's still doing this, just leave him off the roster, man. Send him down. If you even make it that far. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's super weird with Hater. Let's go ahead and send it to halftime. All right. This is halftime. Going to start it off with some college football. Season starting on – well, season actually 
had week zero last weekend, but official week one on Thursday. So talk about some of my predictions for the conference champs here. Only doing power five because we don't have a whole bunch of time. Um, maybe I'll tweet out my other predictions, but we'll see. Uh, we'll start off with the SEC. That's the big one. I'm going to go with Bama over Georgia. I mean, how could you not pick any uh, – or how could you pick any other team in the SEC, right? Um, Bama is returning everybody and probably even better than last year. Georgia lost a lot but still got their quarterback, still have Jalen Carter, maybe the best defensive player other than Will Anderson in Division One football. You got anything to say about that? No, but Dermis Garcia – just hit his first big league home run. Oh, that's pretty that's cool. That's my guy. That's pretty cool. That's my guy. I'm a big Dermies fan. Not a lot of people know that, but I'm big on him. I know that. Okay. But yeah, Georgia, 100%. I picked Bama. Oh, never mind. Bama. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Big 12. I'm going to go with Baylor over Oklahoma. Oklahoma's still in a transitional year. New coach, new quarterback. So we're going to go with the Baylor Bears. Blake Shapin. New quarterback played in the bowl game last year and was solid. I think had a, a bowl game record for whichever bowl they were in, 17 straight completed passes. So he should be pretty solid for him. Uh, the Big Ten, it's Ohio State over Wisconsin. Um, come on now. CJ is coming back. And he's going to try to win the Heisman, try to be the number one pick. And I, I think this is the most dangerous team in college football this year. It's the Buckeyes. Pac-12. Sorry. Dad said they got a great team. They do. But Pac-12, another conference with a lot of shifting. But I'm going to go with Utah over USC here in the conference championship. Utah starting off ranked number seven. Big week one game at Florida. Talk about it later. Other than that, it's pretty smooth sailing. They're pretty good in the Pac-12 South here. Uh, USC... Lincoln Riley obviously coming in. I think they're just going to need another year to get it together because Utah has been dominating the pack since they've been there pretty much. And the ACC, I'm going to go with Clemson over Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh's got Keaton Slovis. Uh, I like them more than Miami. That's why they're there. And Clemson, even though last year seemed like such a down year, they still won 10 games. You know, when I remember that, Thought there's no way I can leave him out here. Uh, DJ is still super high warranted prospect. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Maybe he has a surprise Heisman year. Yeah. The one we uh, didn't see last year when they got killed by George. <laughs> yeah. Georgia. Uh, all right. So I'm going to get into my top four predictions here. Don't be upset. It's a little chalky, <laughs> but All good. It's, it's, it's chalky every year. So number four, we got Notre Dame. Uh, Clemson and Notre Dame play each other this year. I'm going to say that's Notre Dame's one loss. And due to Bama beating Georgia in the championship game, that knocks Georgia out uh, because, you know, the committee likes to change things up every year. And number three, we'll go with Clemson. Uh, I'm going to say they're either undefeated or one loss at this at this point, and Clemson's win over Notre Dame would help them out here. So they get the three spot. Number two is Bama. No matter what they do, they're gonna be they're gonna be here in the top four. There's no way they can leave them out. 
but I have them beating Georgia here. And Ohio State, I have them having the uh, the perfect season, running the table, number one, and beating Bama in the championship. I really believe this is the deepest team. Uh, maybe not uh, as good as defense as Georgia, but let's change things up. I like C.J. Stroud a lot. I like all those receivers they got, even though they lost a bunch. Let's do it. Let me, uh, yeah. let me give you a... Uh, just a winner prediction right here. Mm-hmm. When you have the best defensive player in college football and you have the best offensive player in college football, you're winning the natty. And that's hey, they Alabama had those players like. last year. Yeah, but they were younger. Okay. Now they're even better. Okay. Well, Anderson, that's a pro bowler in the NFL right now if he was playing. That's true. He's playing in college versus kids that are 19. And he's probably... 20 <laughs> <laughs> but a man a man amongst boys that yeah. would uh i see what you're saying yeah i just i couldn't i couldn't uh give bama the win for my own sanity here uh you got anything else for me here on college football nope i'll get more into it next week man i'm just right now i taking it all in exactly all right uh let's move on to the NFL trades. Skeller's gonna be saying every single player that was cut in this past day, uh, starting with the Arizona Cardinals. Absolutely not. But we'll start off with some trades. Uh, the Eagles got Chauncey Gardner Johnson today. Um, they're probably gonna play him at safety, but since he was a former nickel guy, he was cheaper on the market. I think that's what happened here. Um, so that's good pickup for the Eagles, man. Uh, mm-hmm. The Broncos sent Malik Reed, a linebacker, to Pittsburgh for a late-round pick. Uh, don't know what that is yet, so we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, the Panthers got Jacksonville receiver LaVisca Chenault. And it, it makes sense. You know, their reports saying uh, Chenault was not going to be used at all this year. They they didn't like him. Doug Peterson had nothing for him. Uh, they like ETN more in that role. So, sorry, bud. And Alexander Madison, Minnesota running back, receiver Darius Slayton from the Giants on the trade block. Nothing yet with those guys, but something to keep an eye on. And I guess we'll we'll quickly run through some cuts. Are you ready? Sure, I'm ready. The debt. We should have the music in the background. (laughs) (laughs) So the Cowboys cut all their backup quarterbacks. It's just Dak on the roster right now. Tomorrow we'll see some more. The Texans cut running back Marlon Mack. Surprising, but Damian Pierce is their guy. Like that, I drafted him. Uh, I'm not going to mention the stuff you mentioned earlier. So we'll go to Browns cut Josh Rosen. Maybe was his last chance in the NFL. Sad because I like him, but he's not good enough. Broncos cut journeyman quarterback Josh Johnson. I He's saw that, backup. man. Give him Brent. another chance. Hey, Somebody else. Give him a chance. If anyone were to take it from him, though, I would want it to be Brett Rippon, and that's what happened. So I'm happy for Brett Rippon. Yeah. Eagles cut safety Anthony Harris. The Jets are looking to sign him, so that'd be cool. The Bucks are cutting DB Logan Ryan, probably going back to the Patriots for a league minimum or something just to hang out with the boys again. Buccaneers cut receiver Tyler Johnson. Ha ha. I told everybody that Jefferson and uh, Pittman were better than him in the draft. So fuck off. Colts cut Philip Lindsay. I mean, we really need to talk about that. 
No. Vikings got Kellen Mond and Sean Mannion. Mannion probably going back to the practice squad, you know. Uh, Bills cut tight end OJ Howard. Chiefs cut receiver Josh Gordon. Couldn't lay off the weed. Dolphins cut Sony Michelle, the running back. Probably going to ruin a lot of people's fantasy teams if you drafted already. Uh, so uh, yeah, I nervous. hope you won't draft him, though. That's like no, the no, no, back no. in Miami's fold, dude. <laughs> no, I just, <laughs> I just mean if you, uh, you know, are a guy who drafted Burkhead or something, and then he signs yeah. with Houston, then that's not good. And those are the notable signings. Uh, you want to take over, Kyle? <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll talk about Brian Robinson, right. who uh, unfortunately got shot a couple times over the weekend. I don't really know if any other way to say it. Probably should have been more sentimental. Uh, but he did get shot, and he's okay. He's in stable condition right now. He showed up to the commander's facility today in crutches uh, with uh, – it looked like just like some wrap over his leg. I'm assuming that's where he got shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really want to talk about him like playing football right now. I'm just yeah. happy that he's okay. It's it's good for him to be in that spot uh, now at this point and not obviously dead or anything like that. But uh, yeah, he's healthy, good in, good in spirits, uh, and I assume he'll probably come back to playing football at some point in the season. I do want to uh, mention one more thing about Brian Robinson that I think is so freaky. Mm-hmm. Sean Taylor, legendary Washington safety had the same exact thing happen. A robbery gone wrong. He wasn't supposed to be there shot in the leg. Sean Taylor died from the same exact thing. And Brian Robinson, you know, one centimeter to the left or right. And he's perfectly fine. It's it's crazy how that happens. Yeah. And, it's, it's like luck. It's roulette at that yeah. point. Uh, there is a very unfortunate story that we do need to talk mm-hmm. about from one of the best punter prospects that we've seen in the past ever, however many years, uh, via CNBC this is what the story had on him. This lawsuit filed in San Diego County court alleges Ariaza or Matt Ariza. Is it Ariza or Ariaza? I've heard Ariza. I don't know. I've just called him yeah. punk God. I'm no longer going to call him punk God anymore. That's no. for sure. Uh, it says who was 21 at the time gave then 17 year old girl an alcoholic beverage asked for oral sex and had sex with her in a side yard before taking her to a bedroom where he and two other men allegedly have gang raped her obviously not good stuff to hear there the bills did the right thing and ended up cutting him Mm -hmm. uh and i assume this is the last that we'll ever hear from him at the very best he was with a 17 year old which you know, fuck him. Exactly. Goodbye. Yeah. So, uh, He's gone. Yeah. And there was abuse and stuff like that and stuff too. Yeah. The, I don't want to get into details there. Cause that's mm-hmm. obviously uh, tough for some people to listen to, but yeah, not a good dude. And the bills, one of the best organizations in all of football now at this point, did the right thing here. Let him go. Even and though a lot just, of teams knew about this, I guess. Uh, I guess they the had knowledge of it. Yeah. Uh, a couple weeks ago, but they didn't really know what to do at that point because it was all allegations. But now, when more stuff has come out, they made the decision to. I think uh, 31 teams would have cut him. The Browns probably would have kept him and started him in week one. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we ain't got to worry about that. All right. One last NFL rookie quarterback roundup to wrap up the halftime. I tried to only do notables because. A lot of guys, I was like, huh, it wasn't a great week, but let me see if he still... Nope, cut. So the guys who didn't get cut, we'll talk about. 
Bailey Zappi, Patriots quarterback, 10 for 14, 84 yards and a pick. Didn't look great. Not going to win the backup job, but they're going to keep him. He's has a pretty good arm, you know. We'll keep an eye on him. Kyle's guy, Desmond Ritter from the Falcons, 14 for 21, 185, one touchdown, two picks. Not going to start. Not a bad preseason, and we will talk about him shortly. Malik Willis, Titans rookie, 15 for 23, 130 passing yards with a touchdown and a pick, 80 rushing yards. Another guy to keep an eye on because he won't be starting this year. Skylar Thompson from Miami, one of the MVPs of the preseason, 7 for 10, 103 yards, three touchdowns. Definitely are in that spot. Sam Howell, Washington rookie. From North Carolina, 24 for 35, 280 yards, one touchdown, 62 rushing yards. Probably the MVP of the preseason, which is awesome for a guy who slipped so far in the draft. Uh, let's say him and Strebler were the most fun to watch, maybe because Strebler was on my team. It made it equally exciting, but uh, another guy to watch. And Kenny Pickett, 10 for 14, 90 yards, didn't get to play that much. Uh, which is either a good thing or a bad thing for him. And another guy we will talk about shortly. So that's going to wrap up halftime. Uh, a lot of good, a lot of bad, a lot of evil, but we're moving on. Yeah. Let's go ahead and get to the second half now. We're mainly talking quarterbacks here. Uh, first thing we got to talk about is Skyler looks back and sees that the A's have scored five runs in the third inning here against the Nationals. Through my rambling, uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I was looking at it. Skyler had the TV behind him, so he wasn't really getting full attention of it. Uh, but let's get back to the show here. Uh, Jimmy G got his contract reworked. It was probably probably the biggest news in the NFL besides the Brian Robinson, Matt Ariza stuff before today. Obviously, ton of cuts today and all that stuff. So like takes the main uh, headlights of everything here. But Jimmy G's contract restructured. No trade clause in San Francisco. Practically says that he's going to be here until at least next year. Uh, and so there, it does beg a question. It, it, we don't really understand Shanahan's full trust in Trey Lance. I know he said it. This is Trey's team. Blah, 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 blah. John Lynch probably said it too. And Jed York, if he's still there, uh, said it as well. But doing something like this, there's got to be something there. There's got to be something that's not completely right, or it's not, it may be 99% Trey's team, but there's still 1% of it being Jimmy's. Uh, do you think this Jimmy G contract shows that distrust in Trey, or am I just tripping over myself here? I don't think it does. Uh, San Francisco obviously doesn't think they need to rebuild. Uh, and that's why they extended everyone after they found out, probably, is it? that Jimmy would take a deal like this because everyone knows it's the best time to extend your players is when you got a quarterback on a rookie deal. Uh, you know, Mahomes, his extension didn't kick in until the Super Bowl. That's just one example. Uh, but I think they know Jimmy's more valuable than a late round pick right now in case Lance gets hurt. And it's more of an insurance than a non-trust issue. Like we, we saw what Nick Foles did a couple years ago in the playoffs. It's important to have a guy like that because this team thinks they can go on a run. They don't want to mess it up throwing uh Brock Purdy out there. Yeah, of course. You know? Yeah. I, I might've dramatized it a little bit in my intro there, but I do think the Niners have a lot of trust in Trey Lance, but there's still that 1% that 
that Shanahan loves Jimmy. That was his guy. That's the guy that brought him to sure. a Super Bowl a couple years ago. And that's the guy that brought him to the NFC Championship just last year. Mike and I know, Zimmer loves Case Keenum. Yeah, it wasn't specifically <laughs> because of his play, but he was the guy that was winning those games. And so I think uh, if maybe there's going to be a long leash on Trey. We know that. But if he has five or six bad games in a row, which mm. 99% chance he doesn't, then that's maybe when you look at Jimmy. However, I think this is just a smart move by the Niners. You know, you have your your backup now who's not getting paid $30 million. Yeah, you don't have to pay him uh, if he doesn't play either. Well, he has guaranteed money. Uh, so he has yeah, 6.5 yeah, guaranteed. Six. Yeah. Uh, but he, he has incentives that get up to like 15 and a half or something like that. But, you know, you're not paying him 80, 80 mil anymore. You're just paying him 6.5. Hopefully in, in the Niners case, that is. Uh, let's talk about Jimmy G's origin team with the Patriots. Uh, they played the Raiders in the last game of the play preseason, and the Patriots put their starters out there for three possessions against the Raiders' third-string defense, and they got three points. Uh, so we got to talk about, do the Patriots suck? I think it's possible they suck. I was never very high on Mac Jones uh, the defense and running backs are going to try to carry them like they have before, but I just think Miami does it better and very similarly, uh, and that's not good for them because they play them twice a year. Yeah, I originally thought no, I didn't, I didn't think the Pat sucked. It's the Patriots, you know, they gotta they gotta be good. But I realized I'm looking at their team. Mac Jones is kind of mid. You know, they don't have a good wide receiver. They don't really have a great tight end. And their running backs are okay, but it's not like a Jonathan Taylor or Dalvin Cook or Derrick Henry or a guy anywhere near that level. And their defense, I mean, their defense is good, but they just happen to lose J.C. Jackson, who created eight mm-hmm. extra possessions for them last year. Yeah. So when you have all that stuff going together and you have a division who's getting better with the Bills and the Dolphins and the Jets in there as well, even though we don't really know how good the Jets will be, probably six wins. Uh, but, yeah, the Patriots suck, man. They're they're not good. They don't have a good team. I think they're going to be one of the most boring teams to watch in football this year. They don't have an exciting rookie. Mac Jones I mean, it's cool to watch, but you're not, not excited about Cole Strange, to watch. bro. There's nothing fun about Thornton, the special teamer. Yeah, I'm I'm not watching this team unless I got somebody going up against fa- in them in fantasy or something like that. But uh, yeah, they suck. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and get to who should start at QB because there's a little bit of controversy. A couple leads have already been decided by the team, but maybe our opinion. Isn't the same as what the team has. Uh, and we're going to start not. one with Drew Locke and Geno Smith up there in Seattle. Pete Carroll announced that Geno Smith will be the week one starter. Uh, to shock of a lot of people, I'd assume. Skeller, what do you think about this one? Do you think Geno should start or do you think Locke should start? I think Geno was the right call here. They're obviously rebuilding, looking for a young quarterback. But Geno's going to make sure that shit doesn't completely hit the fan. Locke looked horrible last week, and the players aren't trying to lose. The general manager maybe is, but they're trying to put the best team on the field, and that's going to be with Geno Smith. 
I think they made the wrong decision here. I think Drew Locke uh, is the guy that has the upside, and I know he has lower ceiling, or not lower ceiling. He has a lower floor, but the ceiling with Drew Locke is way above the ceiling with Geno Smith. And this team isn't going to be good. We know that ceiling probably goes from three wins to five, five. or six wins. But you got to start Locke. And if he sucks, just put Geno in. It's that simple. At this point, Geno is going to be mid, 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 mid. Every single game, he's not going to be good. He's not going to be great. He's not going to be terrible. He's not going to be Mac Jones. Uh, but he's just going to be there. And you got to give Drew Locke the chance. I feel like so. that kind of stability could influence some of their other possible free agents to think about staying through the rebuild, though. That's kind of my thinking. If Drew Locke comes in and is horrific, Metcalf is gone like that. Yeah, but at least you're you giving know? guys a chance. You know, I think that's a okay. big thing. I think Drew Locke and showing that you want that possibility of booming. I think the roster probably understands, too. Drew Locke could be a guy that gives him a chance to, to do something legitimate. Even, I mean, I don't know about legitimate, but... Give, Gives you a chance to do something more than what Geno Smith gives do you. Do something professional. Exactly. <laughs> Let's go to our next one now. And we are going to the south uh, with Mariota or Ritter in Atlanta. I don't know if they have completely announced. Did they announce Marcus Mariota as a week one starter? I think when they signed Mariota, it was an announcement. That's that's. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was Arthur's like an not. unspoken type thing. Yeah. Uh, but... Do you think Mariota or Ritter should start? I know you're probably going to say Mariota here, but do you think maybe Ritter should come in at a certain point of the season, or is this a, a year where you just have him sit? So Mariota should rightfully start the season, but they look very similar. My take here is no offense to Mariota, but your franchise doesn't suffer if – Mariota is the one that gets thrown out there not knowing what to do and has a career-altering injury. It's not the time. you got to make sure, kind of like Seattle, you got to make sure things are stable, I think, before you can throw in the young guy. Yeah, I think it's the right move to start Mariota first. Uh, you have to play Ritter at some point in the season, though. You have to hopefully get him in there at least by midseason. Uh, but Mariota is going to be the guy to start the first couple of weeks at least. And I think he's gonna get hurt. I mean, he wow, you gotta. I don't know about that. that. I don't know if he's gonna get hurt. He might, but every guy might get hurt, you know. You don't know. Next one Baker or Donald. The Panthers already announced Baker's gonna start. Baker said he's gonna gonna do something vulgar to the (laughs) the Browns or something like that. Uh, but Sam Donald was your guy a couple years ago, Scott. Uh, Do you think they should start uh, Sammy or? Is Baker the right decision here? Baker's the right guy for Carolina right now. It's the right attitude. It's kind of like Cam Newton. I still think Darnold has an incredible arm, but he needs some time to perfect some kind of short read system and become a backup because he has no future as a starter anymore. Yeah. Give me Baker 10 times out of 10. Baker's a good quarterback. All 10? Yeah, all 10. All 10 of them. Baker's a good quarterback. Uh, he's not a flashy, crazy dude that's going to throw like Russell Wilson or Patrick Mahomes, but he's going to be the 18 to 11 tier running or not running back, uh, what quarterback 
uh, that could win you some games. And he got the Browns in the playoffs a couple years ago. And it's a very similar roster structure where you have a strong defense, you have some good weapons, you have a good running back. If the quarterback is decent, Carolina could be pushing for a playoff spot. So I think Baker gives you that best chance. I really, before we move on, I really think Matt Rule is another Adam Gase, though. I think he's the problem, and he just can't unlock anybody. We'll see. He unlocked Baylor. Let's go to the last one here, Mitchell Trubisky or the rookie from Pittsburgh, Kenny Pickett. Again, this is a very similar situation to some of the others. Uh, Pittsburgh's trying to win with the defense of Najee Harris, and we know Trubisky's floor is not as bad as the others, even if Pickett's uh, has a higher upside. You know Trubisky gives you a chance at the playoffs where Pickett pretty much has no chance to do that. I'm going to say give me give me Mitch for the first couple weeks. That's it, though. You got to give Pickett the chance. I think Pickett might. I don't think he's going to be a Pro Bowl-level quarterback at any point in his career, but he could be a Kirk Cousins guy. You know, sure. Kirk Cousins isn't bad. Might just take a little while. But to start off, you got to give it to Mitch, uh, and then from there, see how it goes. And you got to give Kenny Pickett a chance at some point in this year unless you're in a spot to make the playoffs, which I don't think they are. Let's go ahead and get to the layups and the bold predictions, and let's go ahead and get out of here and get ready for episode 104 because that's going to be a huge one. It might be four uh, hours long. Maybe. <laughs> but we did great on our layups and bold predictions last week. Last week in the layup column, I had the Jays over the Red Sox on Thursday. That did hit. And Skyler had the Mets over the Colorado Rockies on Thursday as well. And that hit as well. Two for two there. This yeah. week, I have Bama minus 41 and a half versus Utah State. Utah State sucks. They suck against normal teams. This is Bama. Give me Bama by 45. That's bold. <laughs> Number seven, Utah Utes. Minus three and a half at Florida. Man, this is going to be a tough one. But if any defense could stop Anthony Richardson outside of the SEC, I, I got to think of the Utah Utes here. Um, if you remember from earlier, I have them winning the Pac-12. And it starts right here with a tough game at a conference. Give me the Utes minus three. Last week in the bold prediction column, I had Hawaii wins the Little League World Series. There's about six teams still left in the contention when we got back to that point. Uh, but there was never really a contest here. I don't know how bold this was. I don't really know what the odds were, but Hawaii was like better. I think than you everybody. picked them before the actual tournament started, so I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah, but they're they're a great team, and it's it's yeah. It's alarming uh, how good they were. And they outscored opponents 62-6 in five games or something like that. And it wasn't even close to a single one. Skyler had the Baltimore Orioles going into Houston and winning a series over there. They did that. They could not get the sweep, though, unfortunately. Uh, but still a green for Skyler and a 4-for-4 yeah. four four sweep for me and him over this past week. Let's go Pretty ahead important. and keep that hot streak. Into this next week where I have Cincy taken down Arkansas. Cincy lost a lot of people. That 
Desmond Ritter, Jerome Ford, Alec Pierce, Sauce Gardner, but they still got one guy, and that's all you need, and that's Luke Fickle, the head coach. Great head coach. All right. Uh, it's a big weekend for the Pac-12 because I'm going with number 11, Oregon, to beat number three, Georgia. You may think I'm crazy, but Georgia lost a lot. I don't think they're going to be ready for this one. Neutral site, Bo Nix. <laughs> New quarterback for Oregon. It's going to be a fun one to watch for sure. Where they and I'm going to go with the bold prediction. Uh, it's a Chick-fil-A game, so shit. AT&T? They're in Georgia, aren't they? <laughs> Are they at the Superdome? Might be at AT&T. That would be perfect. <laughs> uh, I swear if they're at like, the Falcon Stadium, I'm going to be upset with myself. They are... Chick-fil-A in Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> oh my gosh, dude. Well, you want to change now. that? Or are you no, keeping no, it? No, no, 17 it. point it. dogs, Oregon, number 11. Skylar says they got it. Bo Nix, man. We'll see you in episode 104 for that. Predictions and maybe, uh, maybe Oregon got steamrolled. Or maybe they won. Yeah. Who knows? Go back we'll 12, man. Week. One last year. One final ride, or it all blows up. Adios. Peace out.